Welcome to the podcast ministry of Antioch Community Church, Houston. I'm your host, Wendy Scott. As we enter our summer series on the letter to the Galatians, we thought it might be helpful to record a few episodes dedicated to reading and studying this book. On today's episode, before you dive into the book, I'll be discussing how to read a biblical letter. One of the first questions we must ask when we read anything is, what is it? The question of what is it is the question of genre. One author defines genre as the conventional and repeatable patterns of oral and written speech that facilitate interaction among people in specific social situations. That sounds complicated, but in other words, genre involves the intent of the author who writes from a specific social location to communicate using literary styles that create a contract with the reader. The genre determines how a reader reads and interprets the information. While it's not my intention to make the process of reading overly complicated, I do want to point out that whether you know it or not, in the present day, you and I are constantly answering the question of genre all the time. For example, if you find a book with lists of ingredients in specific amounts with instructions for how to combine them, you know you're reading a cookbook of recipes and not a history book. If you're reading something that begins with, once upon a time, you expect that what follows is not a news article, but a fairy tale. So your sensibilities aren't offended when wizards and elves and talking animals enter the scene. Consider how much we rely on genre for how we consume the written word. If you log on to your preferred news outlet each morning for the latest headlines, how frustrated would you be if you found an epic narrative? Or if you opened your box of furniture from Ikea and found a poem rather than step-by-step instructions? Understanding the genre is critical for how we read and how we interpret the information, and more importantly, what we do with that information. This is particularly true of biblical texts. Much interpretive damage can be done if we fail to read the material without answering the question of what is it? In the Bible, we find poetry, narrative, ancient wisdom literature, apocalyptic, letters, biography, history, parable, all of which have different communicative purposes and um, must first and foremost be read for what they are. As we embark on our summer study of Galatians today, I want to talk about how to read a biblical letter. Letters are the most common genre of literature in the New Testament, so it's not a waste of time to learn how to read them. Reading a letter doesn't seem like a difficult endeavor, and in many ways it's not, but remember, the Bible is ancient material written by ancient people in ancient cultures. We can make a lot of interpretive mistakes when we assume that the way we write and read letters is the way they wrote and read letters. And so for our purposes, I will focus primarily on the letters of Paul, since that's what Galatians is. Paul was a first century, highly educated Jewish Roman citizen. And so that means that he was unable to write from any other perspective but his own. That means he was unable to write from any other social location. And as 21st century readers, we must resist the temptation to force our modern ways of thinking on first century people. 
in the first century, letter writing was a costly endeavor. That means that the the materials used for letter writing was costly. The ability to get a letter from the writer to the recipient was costly. You didn't just pop a stamp on it and send it in the mail. You had to hire a messenger to take it wherever you were sending it. So um, because it was a costly endeavor, it was it was considered like you want to put some you want to put some effort into writing a letter. You want to make sure that what you intend to communicate actually is communicated because the recipients can't pop back an email that says, hey, can you clarify? So you put a lot of effort into writing a letter. And so letter writing was considered a skill, if not a downright art form. Letters, therefore, weren't exactly written as much as they were crafted. That means there are specific literary conventions that we can often identify in letters. Various interpreters identify some parts differently, but in general, um, what we can see is they include um, an introduction that's a greeting or a salutation. Often in the New Testament, you'll see it like... um, I, Paul, to the, you know, you identify the sender and then you identify the recipients. Um, From there, sometimes you see like a a thanksgiving or a prayer or uh, included in the greeting. Sometimes that's not there. Um, For example, in the book of Galatians, but sometimes there's a a little bit of a a, a salutation or um, a greeting that includes a thanksgiving for that particular person. Then you move into the body of the letter and the exhortation. Like this is the point and what I want, this is the point I'm making. And this is the response that I'm hoping it will elicit from you. Sometimes you see after that, sometimes you see like a travel log or plans, but then you often have um, concluding greetings or a blessing or a benediction. As I said, many different um, Bible scholars might label the parts of the letter differently, but in general, that's what you can expect to find. And the reason I say expect to find is because remember, we're talking about a genre, which means that there are particular conventions that we want to be able to identify because we want to know, okay, is, is, Oftentimes in in a greeting of a letter where someone's giving a thanksgiving for that particular recipient, uh, oftentimes we can find the point of the letter there. We can find some main ideas there. And so if we know what the template sort of is, we know where to look for the information that we're trying to seek. So in addition to a a letter being crafted, there was often more than one person involved in the writing and delivery process. Often the author would hire a scribe, as Paul did on many occasions, to do the actual writing. And the scribe um, frequently participated in actually crafting the letter. They had a hand in crafting the letter. And several times, like in the book, at the end of the book of Romans in chapter 16, we see that the, the person who was Paul's scribe for that letter actually adds his own greetings there in 1622. Uh, and so because letters were crafted, the first important interpretive step is to read the letter as it was intended, which is to say, as a whole. That means, as we embark on the study of Galatians, that we have to read the letter, the entire letter, 
at one time. And if at all possible, I would even suggest read it out loud. Because again, that's how these letters were meant to be communicated. Oftentimes people weren't literate and the recipients and the groups of recipients couldn't um, read the letter for themselves. Or oftentimes there was one letter, but it was addressed to a whole group of people. And so the intention was that the the letter wouldn't just be read, but it that it would be read aloud and almost performed. You'll notice this if you read the letter out loud and start inserting your own inflection in places. You'll understand, oh, there might be a force of emotion that's missing whenever I just consume it quietly in my mind. So I would even say as you're um, reading as your first reading, reading the whole letter, if you can, read it out loud. And if you're into awkward things, maybe in your life group, have someone read the whole letter of Galatians out loud. It would be an interesting exercise. And remember as you read, chapters and verses were added much later for referencing convenience, which I put in air quotes, sometimes they aren't so convenient. Um, but as we read the letters, these chapter and verses can um, introduce an unnecessary bias and give us the impression that the letter can be chopped up or subdivided and that each section is divorced from the whole. I find it helpful to print letters without chapters and verses for my first reading so that my understanding isn't artificially influenced. So that's why our reading plan uh, before you, before we begin to investigate the particulars, we're going to consume the whole letter in one sitting. Another important consideration with letters is to remember that they are occasional, meaning each letter was written to address a particular set of circumstances. Why is this important to note? Because this means that letters are not, as Gordon Fee says in his book, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, They're not primarily theological treatises, meaning they don't contain the whole of someone's uh, thought process. They're not even summaries of, for example, in Galatians or Paul's letters, they're not even summaries of Paul's letters. That is to say that Paul's letters, it's, it's not to say that Paul's letters aren't theological, rather they are applied theology. That is, he's always asking the question, how does the gospel pertain to this particular task or set of circumstances or issues in question? Paul's meaning can't be separated from the immediate context. Paul had a specific audience in mind every time he wrote a letter, and it's a mistake to try to make application to our own modern lives before we understand at least some of the intended application to the lives of the original audience. Don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that Paul's theology isn't meant for us to apply, But proper understanding leads to proper application. As an example from Galatians, Paul tells the Gentile converts that after they have trusted in Jesus, they should not succumb to the pressure to become circumcised. My guess is that many of us have never struggled with that particular pressure. Rather, it's our task to appropriately apply the concept to our lives. 
We may not be tempted to practice circumcision, but we have other ways we're tempted to stop living according to the Spirit. What are they? And what are the implications of Paul's applied theology on our own lives? Once we discern the meaning of the scriptures, then we can make meaning of the scriptures in our own lives. Which brings me to this. To understand a letter, we must sooner rather than later know something of the context of the sender and the recipients. This includes things like historical setting, cultural conditions, and social conventions, for example. There are several ways this can be done. First, we can sometimes learn a great deal about the context by reading other parts of the Bible. For example, it's helpful to read Ephesians and the letters to Timothy in conversation with one another. Some information can be inferred based on the letter's contents. And then other helpful background information can be found in a good introduction um, to a particular book in a study Bible or through helpful resources such as the excellent summary videos produced by the Bible Project. And as you read, ask yourself questions. What is the specific letter occasion of this letter? What are the arguments or points Paul makes to support his purpose? What summary can I make of the response from the recipients Paul was hoping for? And then only after you familiarize yourself with the whole letter and understand the broad strokes, can you begin to break it apart and analyze its particulars. So breaking it into smaller portions will make studying more manageable. To divide it into small portions, look for natural divisions such as changes in topic or transition words or phrases, things like, so what then, or now that fill in the blank. Or you can uh, or look for like introduction of new ideas or um, new points. And then pose a few questions as you read. What's the main idea of this section? See if you can summarize it in a sentence or two to make sure you understand it. Make notes of what you notice and what you don't understand. Are there repeated words? Are there references to other parts of the Bible that you need to investigate? When Paul alludes to other stories from the Bible, we've actually included those in the reading plan so you can investigate the scriptures for yourself to understand Paul's meaning more fully. And then finally, study for yourself, but also study in community. Listen to how other people read and understand and interpret meaning. We can't make meaning for ourselves apart from our community. And then remember this, all Bible study is a marathon. Don't, I don't think, and you shouldn't either, that any of us can read the letter to Galatians and study it and in seven weeks think that we've learned everything we can and there's no more to learn. In fact, this is the beauty of the scriptures. They are enough to sustain us and to captivate our imaginations for our whole lives. Grace to you and... Um, to us as we embark on the study of this marvelous book. I look forward to hearing how God enlivens our body through his spirit as we apply ourselves to Galatians. Galatians.